Coming up for you in January, A Vision for You presents Special Edition Sunday. Sunday, January 13, 2013, 8.30 a.m. Eastern Time. Topic, Chapter 3, More About Alcoholism. Guide and teacher coming to you from Missouri. Sunday, January 20th, 2013, 8.30 a.m. Eastern Time. The topic, Freedom Isn't Free. Guide and teacher coming from New York. Sunday, January 27th, 2013, 8.30 a.m. Eastern Time. A panel discussion on Step 6 and 7. A vision for you, bringing the big book to life. Good morning and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a vision for you big book study. My name is Christy and I am a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Tuesday, January 8th. Today we are reading from the big book and we are at page 96, very first paragraph. Today's readers are Eddie, Deb W., Marsha, and Paula. The reference number for Monday, January 7th, is 3627. The OA preamble. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. This meeting's primary purpose is to abstain, to recover from compulsive overeating, and to carry this message of recovery to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose, OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask Hoodie to read the 12 steps. Hi, good morning, Christy. This is Hoodie, compulsive overeater. Um, The 12 steps. One, we admitted we were powerless over food that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. 11. Sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood Him, praying only for knowledge of His will for us and the power to carry that out. 
and 12, having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, we try to carry this message to other compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thank you, and that I pass. Thanks, Hoodie. I will now ask Esther to read the 12 traditions, please. Good morning. My name is Esther. I'm a compulsive reader. The 12 traditions. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends on OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money property, or, and prestige divert us from my primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, hence the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. 11. Our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. And 12. Anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Pass. Thank you, Esther. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing, and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star one to unmute. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass, then press star 1 to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone, except the speakers, should be muted. Today we resume our study of the big book. We're on page 96 and we're in the, in the very first paragraph. And I will ask Eddie to begin reading, please. Good morning, this is Eddie, compulsive overeater um, in Virginia. Um, do not be discouraged if your prospect does not respond at once. Search out another alcoholic and try again. You are sure to find someone desperate enough to accept with eagerness what you offer. We find it a waste of time to keep chasing a man who cannot or will not work with you. If you leave such a person alone, he may soon become convinced that he cannot recover by himself. 
To spend too much time on any one situation is to deny some other alcoholic an opportunity to live and be happy. One of our fellowships failed entirely with his first half dozen prospects. He often says that if he had continued to work on them, he might have deprived many others who have since recovered of their chance. Um, Good morning again. This is Eddie in Virginia. when I read this paragraph, I think of a couple things that um, I have going on right now in my own life in that um, a person who is very close to me has left program, which, you know, I found very disturbing and um, chosen to leave. And uh, another uh, very good friend of mine for many, many years who likes what she sees when, when we when we get together and, you know, always usually has questions for me, um, but is not willing to um, go to any length just yet to um, achieve um, what she wants or what she thinks she wants. And, um, you know, I I find that, again, distressing in that, um, you know, it's been seven years for me and she knows that it works, but she just is not willing to uh, pick up this spiritual toolkit at her feet. So, you know, I have to let both of those people go for now um, and just keep praying that uh, God will, you know, intervene. And uh, the only thing I can really do for them right now is to continue to work my own program and to stay in recovery. And uh, that's what I do day in and day out. Um, you know, get up and take up my my kit and, uh, you know, open my heart and my mind to see what God has in store for me today and uh, just go there and pray that um, eventually um, he will open their hearts and their minds also. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Eddie. Would anyone else like to share on this paragraph? You can press star one to unmute your phone. This is Kim. Kim, go ahead. Good morning, Christy. Good morning, my fellows. My name is Kim. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater from South Jersey. If you leave such a person alone, he may soon become convinced that he cannot recover by himself. So I think that's a very important lesson. You know, they're teaching us here that we're not the ones who are supposed to be convincing. We're not supposed to be putting on our red cape and swooping in and saving people. What is our job as a recovered person? What does step 12 tell me? It tells me try. Try to carry this message. I'm not supposed to carry the compulsive overeater. So what is going to convince this person? If I'm not coming in there and saving the day, what's going to convince that person? It's the food. It's the food. It says in more about alcoholism, invite that person to go back into their kitchen, go back into their pantry, try to eat, try to stop abruptly, try to do that again. It's worth a case of jitters to find out the truth. And the truth is, if you are a compulsive overeater, You have an allergy of the body that once you ingest certain substances, you will not be able to stop. But even more devilish, even more overwhelming is the fact, even when you get that willpower to stop, you have a mind that says, oh, come on, it's been 30 days, it's been three months, you can go back. I remember my disease told me, it's been three hours. You know, because you know what's tough is being abstinent, abstinent in the morning, abstinent in the afternoon, abstinent at night. 
Essence is so uncomfortable. It makes me restless. It makes me irritable. It makes me discontent. And the only thing that's going to relieve it, the only ease and comfort that is possible is to go back to that food. So until that person is convinced that they have the allergy of the body and the obsession of the mind and that they cannot do this themselves, that they are beyond human aid, that lack of power is their dilemma, there's nothing that we can do. So this chapter is teaching us that we carry this message, but it says you are sure to find someone desperate enough to accept with eagerness what you have to offer. So if you're trying to convince someone, if you're chasing your sponsee, if you're working harder than the person is working on their own recovery, we need to let them go. Because as it says, if we leave such a person alone, he may soon become convinced by the food that he cannot recover himself. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Kim. Who else would like to share on this paragraph? This is Paula. May I share? Sure, Paula. Go ahead. Katie. Thank you. Paula and then Katie. Go ahead, Paula. Thank you. Thank you for your service also. I'm going to come right here to time. You know, sometimes I don't think we realize the value of time. Truly valuable. Can't be, it can't be getting, but you can't get it back. Once it's gone, it's done. It's done. So here we say, it says twice. I'm going to scoot to this line. We find it a waste of time to keep chasing a man, now very clear here, who cannot or will not work with you. That's what it says clearly. He cannot or he will not. Either way, honey, time is going. It's a ticking. It's a ticking. And then I want to go down another place where he talks about time. Again, scooting right to the middle here, and I guess that's where it is. To, to spend too much time on any one situation is to deny some other alcoholic an opportunity to live and be happy. That's it. Too much time. Here we ask God. They're not ready? Okay. You walk away. You can come back. The door hasn't shut behind you. We don't know what's ahead for that person, but we know what our, what our services and the message that we have to carry. And carry it, we do. We don't sit with it. Honey, don't sit with it and wait. Mm-mm. And they were clearly, and I must say, he, again, at the end, the man that spoke here, and we know that was Bill W. himself, he often says that if he had continued to work on them, he might have deprived many others who have since recovered their, the message of their chance. Thank you for allowing me to share. And with that, I do pass. Thank you, Paula. Katie, go ahead. I'm Katie, a compulsive overeater recovered today and living in Virginia. Um, well, I don't know anything really too new to add to what um, Paula and Kim just said, but I just know that um, this sentence that says one of our fellowship failed entirely with his first half dozen prospects. Well, I've probably failed with 100 people. And, you know, the thing is, is I can't call it my failure because it's not up to me to decide if someone is ready. If they're ready to, to answer those two questions, 
of are are you um, willing to go to any lengths? Are you sincerely, you know, depleted and have given up on any other uh, way of life? They have to be ready for this. And I've <laughs> I've sponsored a lot of people that I have no idea where they are in their life today. I've lived in several different states. So, you know, I don't keep calling them and calling them. There are certain people that I have kept up with over 20 years. I've kept up with some people who, you know, have been in and out of these rooms. And, you know, but if they slam the phone down or they never return my calls, I would not keep calling them. That is not what this program says to do. And I know I have a knot in my stomach this morning thinking about my family members who are headed, you know, to destruction. And I want to, you know, tell them again, again, give them the, you know, phone number for this meeting. And, you know, this is how you get on the recording. And this is how you get on the website. And this is blah, 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 blah. And the fact is, that's not how I got in the room. No one beat me up and, you know, you know, hammered me over the head and kept calling me and calling me and telling me and telling me. I had to come to the end of myself. Uh, yes, I have to give the information to people. I don't hold it to my vest. If I see someone in trouble, if there's a newcomer at the meeting, I say hi. I give them my phone number. You know, I answer my phone when it rings. If I'm not at work, I return my calls. But beyond that, I am not God. And I think you know, the point of the 12th step is to to practice these principles in all our affairs. It's to keep me in recovery. And if I, I mean, I would just say, because I feel so sick about my family members today, I would tell you that if I stayed in that place of just constantly trying to, to drag these people in that don't want it, I would lose my recovery. They would take me with them. I need to stay around positive people who want what I have, who want this program, who are on this path. And, yes, I'm there for the newcomer, but I am not, you know, as it says in previous chapters, their banker or their nursemaid. Uh, This program is for people, not just for people who need it, but for people who will do it. And, you know, we have so many resources available today. There's no reason, you know, if, if someone's making up excuses, it's because they're not ready. And uh, I'm just so grateful that there are, you know, over 100 people on this line today who took the time who are interested in want this recovery because that's what keeps me going. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Katie. Would anyone else like to share on this paragraph? This is Janice. Judith. Janice, go ahead. Good morning, Christy. Good morning, Vision for You. My name is Janice. I am a recovered compulsive overeater. Thank you, God. Okay, so what are we going to do about this this paragraph and this problem? You know, because they're telling us some very, very good information here, some good information to have. You know, here's what you may face. You may face some people who cannot or will not work with you. You may face some people who are not desperate enough, who are not yet desperate enough to accept with eagerness what you have to offer. You know, some will, some won't, some don't want to, and what do I do about it? What do I do about it? Because that's the bottom line. What do I do? What do I do? I send them off with love. 
That's what I do. If somehow they hear the message from me and they're not yet interested, I love that they use that word, they're not yet interested, and I send them off with love, the seed has been planted. And I have no idea what will take that, what will make that seed sprout, what will happen to that person once they have, they may continue to have a head full of OA and a belly full of food for a while. They may rest in that place. And the hopelessness and the helplessness of where they are may overcome them. You know, they may be convinced that he cannot recover by himself. But that will be between him and his higher power. You know, because once once the information is there, you cannot go back. I remember a good friend, an old-timer in AA saying, you know, once you've planted that idea that there's a way out, you can never go back and eat like that again. You can never go back and drink like that again and not know that there's a way out. And that may be part of that person's process. I don't know. But what I do know is there are plenty of people, plenty of people on this very meeting looking for sponsors, looking for a way out. You know, and and if there are many of us here willing to carry that message, then we've got other people to turn to and say, well, it's not this person, maybe that person. Because they may get what I got, which is a life of freedom and happiness, a design for living that works under all conditions, a way to get through the tough going and rough going and still be happy and still be happy. So, you know, I'm grateful that the experience of these first alcoholics is so clear in this paragraph. Move on to someone else if the person is not ready because they may get ready without me. I don't know what's going to happen, but I do know that for myself, when I carry the message, I am reminded of who I am and what I'm up against, and I'm reminded of the beauty and the wonder of this program. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Janice. Would anyone else like to share on this paragraph? This is Judith. Leah. Judith and then Leah. Go ahead, Judith. Hi, Judith in Vermont. Um, One of our friends who had a very strong program wanted was going to give a talk on step 12 and the topic was that she had never failed with a 12-step call and everyone was like oh my god you mean everybody she's ever talked to has recovered that's incredible it's impossible it can't be and so she gave the talk and she said I've never failed because I have stayed abstinent not everybody I've talked to has uh, recovered but I have not, I have stayed recovered. So um, that's just reinforcing what everybody else is saying. And with that, I'll pass. Thanks. Thank you, Judith. Go ahead, Leah. Thank you so much. Good morning, everybody. This is Leah, compulsive overeater, recovered. Tough love here in the big book this morning. Do not be discouraged if your prospect does not respond at once. Search out another alcoholic and try again. And, of course, this book was penned by experience. It was penned by those who blazed the trail ahead of me. And uh, certainly 
this was a hard lesson learned from Bill in Bill's own early efforts at 12-step work. You know, at the end of six months of teaching and preaching and grabbing men by the shirt collar off the bar stools, uh, nobody sobered up. Certainly he felt a bit dejected, but he continued on. It says you are sure to find someone desperate enough to accept with eagerness what you offer. You know, I like the wording that's used here. You are sure to find someone desperate enough. What is desperate enough? It means beyond hope. I was beyond hope. I knew I was a compulsive overeater. I did not know what I was up against. I did not understand the depths to which this disease would take me. I did not understand... Uh, nor could I premeditate how hot hell would get. The disease does that. So you're sure to find someone desperate enough to accept with eagerness what you offer. What does eagerness mean? Eagerness means marked by urgency or enthusiastic desire or interest. You know, when the vice continued to get tight, when I was choking on this disease, when hell became hotter and hotter and hotter and hotter, and the pain became greater and greater and greater, there was a sense of urgency. No one had to twist my arm. Pain was the greatest motivator to effectuate change in people like me. You know, tell me what to do. Please, God, whoever you are, Wherever you are, save me from myself. You know, so th these words, <laughs> uh, they come with wisdom. We find it a waste of time. Big Book getting very blunt here. We find it a waste of time to keep chasing a man who cannot or will not work with you. We find it a waste of time. The Big Book, whose efforts are all in helping the drunk out of the gutter, is telling the sponsor here, because this is Chapter 7, working with others, we find it a waste of time. Even though we spend all day and night all our blood, sweat, and tears trying to help people out of the quicksand, we find it a waste of time to keep chasing man who cannot or will not work with you. If you leave such a person alone, he may soon become convinced that he cannot recover by himself. Why is that? Well, it was true for me, and perhaps it was true for you. You know, if I don't deal with the disease, the disease will deal with me. It is my master. It pushed me around. Pain drove me here. And if I left and tried to leave, well, pain drove me back. And so that's going to be true with any prospects because that's the nature of the illness. Most people don't stay, right? They come in by the hundreds and they leave by the 99s because although there's an answer available and although uh, – we have a solution that it can arrest their disease and enable them to start a whole new life. Most of us have no enthusiasm to pursue that. No enthusiasm. We want magic to occur. We want to argue about powerlessness, and we have difficulty understanding insanity, and we're confused about the whole you know, idea of unmanageability. So what does it teach me here? It says if you leave such a person alone, he may soon become convinced that he cannot recover by himself. How is he going to become convinced? Is it some intellectual exercise? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. The disease will convince these prospects. 
Because until then, the compulsive overeaters of my type, against all information, against all the evidence of their own life of compulsive overeating, persist that they're not really like that, and therefore, they really don't have to do these things. So we let the disease convince them. And with that, I pass. Thanks. Thank you, Leah. I'm Christy, and I am a recovered compulsive overeater. And, you know, I, I don't know what it's going to take for someone to hear the message and to recognize that they want and need this program. Um, I, you know, I know what it took for me. I know what it took for me. You know, my disease grabbed me at a very early age. I spent decades in disease. I came to the rooms of OA, and for five years I lost weight, and then I gained it all back. Um, I spent a year and a half in relapse before I finally said, I want to recover. I want to recover, and I don't care what it takes. I don't care what I have to do. I don't care what I have to do. You know, I had read, um, you know, the OA literature, trying to work through the 12 steps um, to get abstinent, and, you know, everything I tried, everything I threw at my disease did not work, even though I had people tell me what they did. Even though I had people tell me what they did to recover, um, you know, it, it, took, <laughs> it took me saying, thank you so much for sharing. Um, I think I've got it figured out. I think I've got it figured out. And, you know, my disease finally beat me to a state of reasonableness. My disease finally beat me to a state of reasonableness. And it wasn't anybody who called me. And it wasn't anybody who, you know, read the big book with me and said, wow, this will work for you. It was me saying, I want this. You know, for years I wanted to want to want to recover. You know, that's what I wanted, to want to want it. You know, and I added a lot of wants in front of there. Um, and, and that's where I was. You know, nobody was going to say exactly the right thing to me. No one was going to quote something out of the big book for me. I mean, that's just not how it was for me. You know, me, myself, and I, all three of us had to sit down and say, you know, do you want to live the rest of your life like this? Do you, are you sick and tired of being sick and tired? Are you done? Are you done? Because it's never going to get better. There was no end in sight for me. There was no end in sight for me. You know, 300 pounds was nothing. You know, it just, it didn't matter. I, I mean, I just, I knew, at, I, I knew I was going to go on and I was going to continue. I was past the gates of insanity and there was one thing left for me and that was dying dying in addiction, and I didn't want to do that anymore. And I have no idea why on September 9th of 2001, I, I said I don't care. I don't care what it takes. And I've been abstinent every day since then, and I talk to my sponsor every single day. And I, you know, I have had my life transformed because of recovery, transformed, not just the physical, but the mental and the spiritual. I am a completely different person today. And I have no idea why, except that my disease did its job. You know, as others have said, my disease did its job. My disease convinced me. My disease convinced me that nothing was ever going to change. Nothing was ever going to be different, that I was going to live my life in misery and pain for, for the end, until the end, until the bitter end. And it wasn't until I just said I've had enough. 
I've had enough, you know, and I'm at bottom. It's endless. I'm, I'm going to stop digging. I'm going to stop digging. I want a way out. And I knew where to go. I knew where to go. I knew where to go to get help. And I am so grateful that I got that help. And, you know, that's what I wish for everyone. I wish that for everyone. I wish that for everyone. And if you're on the line and you want to stop, there are a lot of people on here who can help you with that. And with that, I'll pass. Is there anyone else who'd like to share on this paragraph before we move on? Well, why don't we move to the next paragraph. Deb W., will you please read for us? Yes, it's my pleasure. Good morning, A Vision for You. My name is Deb, Recovered Compulsive Overeater from Michigan. Suppose now you are making your second visit to a man. He has read this volume and says he is prepared to go through with the 12 steps of the program of recovery. Having had the experience yourself, you can give him much practical advice. Let him know you're available if he wishes to make a decision and tell a story. But do not insist upon it if he prefers to consult someone else. I'm going to stop there. Um, as we've all said many, many times before, this book is awesome because it gives us clear-cut directions, and it really lays it out so perfectly. Suppose now you're making your second visit to a man. Um, you know, it tells you what to do. You give him a volume of this book. You tell him read the first 164 pages of this book and ask, you know, are you prepared to go through the 12 steps of the program? And if so, great. My experience that I've had going through them myself and implementing them into my life um, as an ex-problem eater, (laughs) um, I have found that solution and I'm properly armed with the facts about myself and then I can win that confidence of that other person that I'm talking to. I can tell them from experience what I've gone through. And, um, but it's so great because, again, it gives us this freedom. Let him know you're available if he wishes to make a decision and tell a story, but do not insist upon it. There might be somebody else out there that they identify better with, and that's okay. That frees me up from thinking, oh, I'm not the best sponsor or I'm not, you know, whatever. No. That doesn't matter. That's a beautiful thing about this program. There's lots of different people that everybody can identify with, and um, it's just a beautiful fellowship that we can um, absorb on this program of recovering the solution. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Deb W. Is there anyone else who'd like to share on this paragraph? You'll need to press star one to unmute your phone, please. This is Leah. Leah, go ahead. Thank you so much. Suppose now you are making your second visit to a man. He has read this volume and says he is prepared to go through with the 12 steps of the program of recovery. Again, willingness is a one-person job. This is a decision that came from hopefully the depths of his soul, not any uh, arm twisting on my behalf. Uh, It says, having had the experience yourself, 
you can give him much practical advice. Um, you know, those of us that are sponsors, are recovered compulsive overeaters, the big book says we have been given the power, we have recovered and have been given the power to help others. Who better to help a compulsive overeater than a recovered compulsive overeater? I mean, uh, just look at it in other aspects of your life. You know, if if I had a toothache, um, I wouldn't go to a proctologist, you know. I'd go to a dentist. Uh, if I was having problems with uh, my feet, a podiatrist would do the job. You know, I wouldn't see a car- cardiologist. So it's the same thing here. We are the experts. God has given us a unique experience. That unique experience is sinking in the quicksand of the disease of compulsive overeating. And more than that, recovering, having a transformation, a personality change sufficient to bring about recovery. So having had these experience yourself, you can give him much practical advice. Sounds like step 12, doesn't it? Having had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to other compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. So having had the experience yourself, we are experts in this. We have been given a unique experience, and we have unique experience to offer. God uses recovered people. We are the agents. We are necessary. We're not sufficient to create that vital change in another person, but we can be a catalyst to change. And, of course, you know, there's that wonderful uh, saying, you know, you can't teach what you don't know, and you can't lead where you don't go. You cannot be what you are not, and you cannot give what you ain't got. Sponsorship from recovered compulsive overeaters. Having had the experience yourself, you can give him much practical advice. What's that advice? It's not my personal opinion. It's not my personal philosophy. It's any not any theological uh you know ponderings on my part what i have to offer are these 12 steps these directions that came out of this book that created an experience and took me on a journey a spiritual journey in nature let him know you are a bit available if he wishes to make a decision again this is a willingness from a one is a one person job and tell his story but do not insist upon it if he prefers to consult someone else absolutely if you want to see someone else by all means please do so my sole purpose our sole purpose is in the teaching and practice and proper representation of the program of recovery and with that i pass thanks Thank you, Leah. Who else would like to share on this paragraph? Press star one to unmute, please. This is Kim. Uh, Kim, and then I think I heard Janice. Go ahead, Kim. Thanks, Christy. Suppose you are now making your second visit to a man. Wow, so we've spent from page 89-96 in that first visit? That's intense. And what does it tell us on that first page? Practical experience shows that nothing will so much ensure immunity from drinking as intensive work with other alcoholics. This is pretty intensive work this first 100 is doing. They spend a lot of time talking about the disease, talking about their drinking, having that person identify in, asking them if they're ready, asking them if they're lit. Are you done for good? Not are you just done until your daughter gets married and you can fit into the dress. 
you know, not that you're just done because you want to, you know, have the New Year's resolution and maybe in March you want to give up, but are you done for good? And they admit they're powerless. Then they're going to ask, well, if lack of power is my dilemma, what do I do? And we tell them about the power. We tell them about the solution. And then they ask them to read this book. So we're at the point now. So we're on the second visit. What intensive work. And so now, if he wishes to make a decision, which is why it's so critical. I've often heard people have only two problems with step three, step one and step two. Because how can you make that decision if you do not know you're powerless? How can you make that decision if you don't think there's a power out there? And how will that decision have any depth and weight if you're not willing to go through with the action steps? So it's saying here, this person now has been, has been taught they're powerless, but do they believe they're powerless? They've been taught about the solution, but do they want the solution? Let him know that you are available if, if he wishes to make a decision and tell his story. But do not assist upon it if he prefers to consult with someone else. So once again, this is not ego-driven. You are up. I'm the one who did all this intensive work with you. I've got to get the rewards. You've got to talk to me. No. We are to carry this message carry this message. It's up to that person whether they want to make that decision. And if they don't want to make that decision, we wish them well. And if they want to continue on with someone else, we wish them well. But it's up to them. Do they know they're powerless? Are they willing to believe in a higher power? And are they willing to make that decision? And when that decision is made, we have to then follow that up with the plan of action. Otherwise, the decision means nothing. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Kim. And Janice, was that you that wanted to share on this paragraph? Yes, thank you, Christy. Go ahead. Suppose you are now making your second visit to a man. He has read this volume and says he's prepared to go through with the 12 steps of the program of recovery. You know, I always say to people, if you have not yet done your step one, by writing out a history of your compulsive overeating, it's a great place to start. It's where I started. It's where I started. Because if he wants to make that decision to turn his life and his will over to the care of God, because if I've been sharing my story, that's what I've been telling him, is I have had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps. And... And with that spiritual awakening had to come a decision. Had to come a decision. And how did I get to that decision? I got to that decision by looking at my powerlessness, by feeling my powerlessness, by examining my powerlessness, and seeing if I matched up. Seeing if I matched up. Having read this book, did I match up? Did I have that allergy of the body? Could I relate to that obsession of the mind? And did it play itself out in me and in my life? And if I wrote out a history, if I told my story, wrote out that history and shared it with someone, another compulsive overeater, and I was matching up, ding, 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 I am a compulsive overeater of the most critical variety then I was ready to make that decision because I needed to believe that I was powerless, that of myself, I could not do this. You know, that by himself, 
he could not recover. I had to come to that conclusion myself. And that was a step one conclusion. And boy, when I told my story, when I wrote that all out, there's nothing like seeing it in black and white on paper. It could not be denied. It could not be denied. And I kept that for a long time. And it helped me so much to look back on that history of my compulsive overeating and be reminded. And it helped me to share with other people my story. Because that person might be able to relate by writing out his own. But if he feels like there might be somebody else he'd like to tell that to, that whose experience might match up more with his, fine, that is great. I don't care what doorway someone walks in to find the solution in the rooms. They can walk in my door or someone else's door, and it doesn't matter. Because if they see themselves as a compulsive overeater, a critical level compulsive overeater, unable to stop by themselves, then it's going to be a way in. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Janice. Is there anyone else who'd like to share on this paragraph before we move on to the next one? Robin? Robin, go ahead. Hi, this is Robin. I'm a compulsive overeater. Um, I think these are just two perfect paragraphs to help a sponsor right-size her ego in sponsorship. I, You know, in the in the previous, I mean, I... Personally, I have been known to take prisoners when I'm sponsoring. I can hang on to a sponsee just the way I used to hang on to the food. And that's all about me. That's all about my ego. And in the previous chapter or in the previous paragraph, we learned that if the eagerness is missing, then let go. And in this this paragraph, I'm told, let him know you're available if he wishes to make a decision and tell his story but do not insist upon it if he prefers to consult someone else. And, you know, there's a whole lot of um, um, ego that's involved (laughs) when somebody tells me that they want to talk to somebody else or that they're moving on to a different sponsor. And, you know, a measure of my recovery in this program is, am I willing to let go of somebody? Am I willing to see that I myself am just a little tiny piece of this tapestry that there are many of us that we work together as a group that we're here to help um that it's not me running the show for somebody else but it's me being used by my higher power possibly hopefully to get through to somebody else but there are many more of us out there that might be a better fit for this person and so for me, a large part of what happens in sponsorship is to find out that um, that I'm not the only teacher, that my job might be to um, talk to somebody once to plant a seed that somebody else might take and water and somebody else might take and um, prune a little bit. But we do this as a, as a group. We do this as a community of people who are here to help um, or somebody who is eager to recover, and we're here to um, be the higher powers conduit rather than the lessons coming from me as an egotistical compulsive overeater who doesn't want to let go. So with that, I'll pass. Thanks. Thank you, Robin. Would anyone else like to share on this paragraph? Yes. Yes, from New York. Okay, go ahead. Uh, good morning, Vision for You. I'm I'm very grateful to everyone that shared this morning because I, I am working with a woman 
um, thanks by the grace of God, I'm two years abstinent. My anniversary is coming up in a, in a week or two. But I um, I really am working with this woman, and I got an email from her today saying, I don't know if I'm ready, but I know I'm diabetic. I'm hypertensive. I can't stop eating. I'm eating all the wrong food. Will you help me? And I was very confused as to her email. But I realized, you know, I'm limited. I'm a limited person. I'm just one person out there with many, many people that she can ask. And I will tell her what I need from her. And if she can do that, that's good. If she can't, then I'm going to let go with love from her because I'm going to tell her that maybe she needs somebody else. And it's not about rejecting her. But I know that our relationship is going to be fraught with frustration on my part, on her part. And I just want to say thank you to everyone for sharing because I, I, I got the idea from the shares that everyone has their limitations and their boundaries. And I have my way and she has hers and whatever it takes. So um, I'm going to just make myself be like one person in this world who could, does it a certain way and can help so many people, or, and that's all. Okay, thank you very much, and with that, I pick. Thank you. Would anyone else like to share on this paragraph? This is Paula Mashia. Sure, Paula, go ahead. Thank you, Christine. This would be Paula, Recovered Compulsible Reader. And I guess there it is, all in a sentence, Recovered. Recovered Compulsible Reader. Is that not our goal for the other? Where do I come into play here? And then it shows me. Let him know you are available. Are you available? Do you have the time that is so necessary here and so crucial? So here a question for you. Yet there's no question mark here, but be clear on that. If he wishes to make a decision and tell his story, but do not insist upon it, if he prefers to consult someone else, did you forget your goal? Was it for you to bring him to recovery? for him to come to recovery, as if you could. And then doesn't it not say in the first page, remember they are very ill? And then it says clearly, life will take on a meeting to watch people recover, to see them help others. They're our goal. They're our goal. And then it ends with, and I love this, Frequent contact with the newcomers and with each other is the bright spot of our lives. This is the bright spot. This is what you want for him. And then we go to the end of the page. To be helpful is our only aim. If that's to help them to find another, even there, even there. So I guess here there's a lot of remembering, a lot of remembering here, and a lot of reminding. So I thank you. And with that, I do pass. Thank you, Paula. Would anyone else like to share on this paragraph? Why don't we move on to the next one here in our last few minutes of the meeting. Marsha, would you please read the next paragraph? Marsha, press star one to unmute. Sorry. Uh, Marsha, I'm a grateful, recovered, compulsive reader. He may be broke and homeless. If he is, you might try to help him about getting a job or give him a little financial assistance. But you should not deprive your family or creditors of money should they have, or they should have. 
Perhaps you will want to take the man into your home for a few days, but be sure you use discretion. Be certain he will be welcomed by your family and that he is not trying to impose upon you for money, connections, or shelter. Permit that you you only harm him. Permit that and you only harm him. You will be making it possible for him to be insincere. You may be aiding in his destruction rather than his recovery. I'll stop there and sit. Um, this is kind of a rather rare occurrence in, in OA. At least I haven't um, encountered it. But I think what this means to me is that the 12 steps and my higher power have moved me from self-centeredness to selflessness and not to self-sacrifice. I mean, to do this is not helpful to the person you're trying to help. And I think what's unspoken is it's not helpful to you either. Um, My responsibility as a sponsor is to be honest and to point my sponsee to the solution. But I am not the solution. Um, In in allowing somebody to become so dependent on me for these things, uh, that is not helping them to become reliant on a power greater than themselves for direction in their lives, and it's a great disservice. Uh, we're here to help people to live life on life's terms. So I think this is very important that um, we recognize that we have our limitations and we should set boundaries with people, um, with our sponsees. We, we can't be the solution for them. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Marsha. Would anyone else like to share on this paragraph? This is Anne Marie. Anne-Marie, go ahead. Hi, I'm Hi. Anne-Marie with Mother's Compulsive Eater. Uh, I looked at this one sentence and what caught uh, this one. Um, uh, but if um, you might uh, try to help them about getting a job or give them a little financial assistance, um, but do not deprive your family of creditors of money um, that they should have. Um, I need to be very careful about this because my ego gets in the way. I like to think of myself as uh, just so generous and wonderful that I would, you know, give somebody my home, you know, give the shirt off my back. People tell me that I, you know, Amory, she'll just give you the shirt off her back. Well, you know, that's my ego. And, you know, we're right. This is not a selfish program. I'm learning to become selfless, not selfish. And by giving all that I have to someone else, I mean, give 100% all that I have, I'm going to have nothing left for myself. Um, and I also need to go back to the very clear directions on page 86 throughout step 12, where it says um, we may not be able to determine which course to take. You know, many people uh, have called me, and I'm, I'm just not sure how to answer the question. Um, it says here on the bottom of page 86, here, we ask God for inspiration and intuitive thought or a decision. We relax and take it easy. It's so important for me to remember my reliance on God. I don't have to 12-step anybody by myself. I have God, and I have my sponsor, and I have other recovered compulsive eaters who may have gone through the same or similar situation that I'm going through with a new uh, prospect. So when somebody does call and um, they're interested and then I'm not sure, you know, I, I pray to God, you know, sit quietly, relax, take it easy, and listen for some direction. And, and still if I'm not clear, I can go to my sponsor and say, hey, this is what's going on with this person. You know, have you ever accounted this situation? How would you deal with this situation? 
And, um, you know, she may have to ask someone else. We do this together. I, I'm not alone in Step 12. Um, and I'm very, very grateful that I know that. Thanks. Thank you, Anne-Marie. And thank you to everyone who has shared. We will now close with the reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. Paula, would you please read a vision for you? I would. This would be Paula, Recovered Compulsible Reader. A book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously, you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right, and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then. Thank you, Paula.